As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we've been waiting for you. And tonight, we're going to answer a very interesting question. How many babies did Herod kill in Bethlehem? Here's another case where tradition has given us a bunch of nonsense. So tonight, we're going to dive into reality and find out how many babies did he really kill, and why did the angel tell Mary and Joseph to take Jesus and go to Egypt. Why Egypt? It's going to be really good tonight, but I'm going to tell you, my friends, Jesus saw the pyramids. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. He saw the Sphinx. He saw Karnak. He saw Luxor. He saw all those things during the time that they were in Egypt. But Anyway, we're going to cover that tonight. But hey, there's a whole study guide for this series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. The rest of the story makes it so exciting because we fill in all the blanks that need to be filled in so that you can really grasp the whole picture. And while you're there, also order the whole series. You can get the audio or the video. And it's 15 parts called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. And in every single one of these programs, I begin on site. In today's program, we begin at the Herodian. You say, what is the Herodian? Well, the Herodian was really the tomb of Herod the Great. He was Herod the Great. Everything he did was colossal. And when Herod died, he didn't just build a tomb. He built a mountain. I'm not kidding. You can see it from Jerusalem. People who've never been to the Herodian, they just think that it's a mountain in the distance. It's not a real mountain. It is an artificial mountain that was built by Herod the Great as his tomb. The land there was flat, but today there's a huge mountain there. And on the top of it, there's a fortress. And that is where Herod eventually was buried. He was simply great in every way. And one of the ways that he was great was he had a great and explosive temper. And tonight we're going to see that he did not know how to control his temper. And Denise, it's amazing to me, just amazing, that Herod was able to control the nation. He was able to defeat his enemies. He was able to conquer so many things, but Herod was never able to conquer himself. He could not control himself. Isn't that something? Yes. And the Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says that a person who can control themselves is greater than one who can take a city. So in God's view, when we control ourselves and, and we control our temple, we control our mouth, we're greater than Mr. Great Herod. Amazing. All right. Let's talk about Herod's temper. Herod was quite explosive. He was paranoid that somebody was going to take his throne. He was so paranoid that he killed his brother-in-law because he thought his brother-in-law wanted his throne. He killed his wife, Mariamne, whom he really, really loved because he suspected that she wanted his throne. Then when he heard a rumor that his three oldest sons wanted his throne. He executed his three oldest sons. He had them all executed. And in fact, he was so known as a killer of his family that Caesar Augustus in Rome said, are you ready? It would be better to be one of Herod's pigs than to be one of his sons. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that awful? So 
Herod had a murderous track record. What a reputation. So it's not difficult to see that when the wise men showed up, he went on a killing spree because that's just what Herod did. And when we come to Matthew 2, verse 8, guys, go there. You have your Bibles? Let's go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says that Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. Again, the word young child, the Greek word paidon, it describes it, toddler, that when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Of course, Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus. Herod's plan was extermination. He was going to kill this child. That's why he wanted to know where is this child. But in Matthew 2, 9, the Bible says, when they, that is the Magi, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Well, Herod sent them to Bethlehem because the prophecies said Bethlehem is where the baby would be born. And that was accurate. But his birth had occurred two years earlier. Jesus and the Holy Family had already left. They were home in Nazareth. But the road to Nazareth went through Bethlehem. So they went to Bethlehem as they were told to do, and they just kept moving because the star kept leading them further. And the Bible says it went before them and led the way, which tells us this was not a natural star because stars don't naturally lead people. And eventually it stood over where the young child was. To stood over in Greek means it stood stationary. That's amazing. And again, the word young child, the word paidon, it's a toddler. It is a little child. Now, We've already seen in Luke 2.39 that Mary and Joseph and the baby stayed in the vicinity of Jerusalem the first 40 days of his life. And the Bible tells us very clearly in Luke chapter 2, verse 39, that when they were finished obeying everything that the Bible commanded them to do, they packed up their bags and they went home to Nazareth where the child began to grow. So all of the events that we're describing now occurred in Nazareth. But let's continue. Matthew 2.11 says, when they, that is the Magi, when they were coming to the what? House. House, not the cave where he was born, but into the house where they lived. And I told you last night that now archaeologists and historians are pretty sure that they have identified the real house where Mary and Joseph lived with Jesus and his other siblings later on. And, you know, that's a site that would have been easy to authenticate because the early church fathers would have said this is the site. They would have authenticated that place for memorial. And they really believe that today they know where it is. It's in the bottom of a convent in Nazareth. I intend to go there and film there so I can show it to you. But I want to say something. In yesterday's home group, you said that the house was a, well, people living there were well-to-do. Well, let me say that what they found there would be things that belong to those that were well-to-do. Very fine pottery. Glass, Roman glass was very expensive. They even found shards of glass with cosmetics, which means Mary used cosmetics. This would only be those who were upper class or were more well-to-do. Well, they left Nazareth really quick after the wise men. So this tells me that they were doing well before the wise men ever arrived. They were being faithful what they had before the wise men ever arrived to meet them. Well, this may have been their home before and after because they left for a period of time, which is what we're going to see next. Mm. But Matthew 2, 11 says, when they were coming to the house, 
They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold, gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We saw the word treasures is the plural form of the word thesaurus, which here describes a storehouse of treasures, cargo filled with treasures. And because it is plural, it indicates it was an unending stream of cargo filled with treasures. And the Bible says gifts, plural. So many, many, many gifts. And among them, frankincense, gold, myrrh. But I said this last night. I want to make sure you get it. The ancient tradition of the East dictated that Magi always gave gifts commensurate with the status of the recipient. So if you were a low-level king, then you could present what was considered to be low-level gifts. And we saw last night, a low-level gift for the birth of a new king was about 110 kilos. That's a lot. That is millions and millions and millions of dollars of gold. That's for a low-level king. But they were coming to see Jesus, who was a high-level king, the greatest king ever born, the king of kings. His coming had been prophesied by Daniel. They were waiting for centuries for the arrival of this king. So when they came, the catalog of treasures that the Magi brought simply would have been enormous and worth a considerable fortune beyond our imagination. Man. And the Bible says after they lavishly poured their gifts out on Jesus, Matthew 2, verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Well, Sephorus, which was right next to Nazareth, was the banking center of the Middle East. And there were all kinds of roads that came into Sephorus, including roads that would have gone to the east. So from Bethlehem, they had gone north to Nazareth. From Nazareth, when they were finished... God told them to go home another way. They just hung a right, turned east, and went home. They did not go back to Jerusalem, and Herod was infuriated. He was infuriated. In fact, we're told that God was also concerned about the Holy Family because of Herod's activities. And Matthew 2.13 says, And when they, the wise men, were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, we saw earlier, why did God choose Joseph? And one point was that he was a spiritual man. He had the ability to hear from God. God spoke to him once, an angel in a dream, another time, another time. Joseph is a man whose spirit was tuned to hear what God had to say to him. And now we see that the angel appears to him in a dream again and says, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When the angel says flee, the Greek word means move your feet as fast as you can. Don't let your feet hit the ground at the same time. Get moving, move as fast as you can. Get out of Nazareth, get into Egypt. And in Matthew 2.13, the angel said Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, will seek is a form of the Greek word zetel. Listen to this. The tense here is futuristic, meaning Herod will pursue. Herod will seek. He will earnestly search for. In a negative sense, it depicts one so upset about not getting what he wants 
that he turns to the court system or takes legal recourse to demand what he wants in order to get it. It pictures someone so intent on getting his own way that he'll search, seek, investigate, and never get up in his pursuit of what he wants. It denotes a scheming individual who manipulates people, events, or circumstances to get what he wants. And when the angel said, Herod will seek the young child, it really meant, hey, Herod is not going to stop until he finds this child. He's going to scheme. He's going to manipulate. And this word zeteo means he's going to really seek, 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 investigate, search after. And with this meaning in our minds, we understand Herod was not going to give up easily. He did not plan to terminate his search for this baby until he had liquidated this baby. He was not going to stop until the baby was dead. Now, the angel of the Lord was very aware of Herod's intention. So he told Joseph, grab your family, evacuate Nazareth immediately and get over into Egypt. And Matthew 2.14 says, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. All right. There was a big difference between Israel and Egypt. Yet, it was the logical place for God to send Joseph with his family because it was out of the jurisdiction of Herod. Herod could not really legally do anything in Egypt because it was not his territory. So God put Jesus and the Holy Family just beyond Herod's reach. But the angel said Herod will seek the child. And the fact is that while the Holy Family was in Egypt, they were constantly on the move. They began in the Delta. Then they moved to Cairo. Then from Cairo, they began to move up the Nile. There were many Jewish communities along the Nile. Eventually, they ended up all the way in what is today is known as the city of Aswan. But the Holy Family was literally on the move the whole time that they were in Egypt because Herod sent spies just as the angel said, and they sought for, they searched for, and the Holy Family with Jesus kept moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. And it is amazing that the Coptic church in Egypt, because this event was so important for the Coptic church in Egypt, they documented all the sites where the Holy Family moved during that period. Joel and I have been to several of them, haven't we, Joel? Well, yes, you can go, you can go, to, you can go to Cairo and you can see the map of all locations the Coptic Church have identified. And it is truly amazing. They went all over Egypt. The, well, they went all up the Nile. I mean, it's all just amazing. Over, they they were, went to uh, so many different places. They were on the move, just like the angel told them to be. Yeah. But there were two roads to Egypt. One was called the Via Maris, which means the way of the sea. And that was a road that began all the way in Damascus, went down past Capernaum, came all the way across the coast, it really means the way of the sea via Maris and went over into Egypt. Then there was a second road and most people didn't like the second road because it was so long. It went through the middle of the desert. It was very inconvenient, very uncomfortable. It is likely that that is the road that they chose because spies would have been looking for them on the other road, not on this road. Guess how long it would have taken them to get into Egypt? And I'm making a point of this because it sounds like they just got up and just walked over into Egypt. 10 to 14 days. 10 to 14 days, and finally, they arrived in Egypt. It was hundreds and hundreds of miles. And the whole time that Joseph and Mary and Jesus were in Egypt, they were in pursuit 
by Herod. But I think it's very interesting that Jesus would have seen the pyramids. Absolutely. And in fact, there's a church today in Cairo. I've been to it many times. Denise, you've been there. Maxime, you've been there. And the bottom of that church, that church was erected over a place that was identified as the Holy Family's residence for a very brief period while they were in their flight in Egypt. They were there. You can still go there. You can still see it if you have the courage to go to Egypt, which I love Egypt. But Matthew 2, 15 says that the Bible had prophesied, stay there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt had I called my son. Isn't it amazing? Every word of God stands true. And the instruction of God was for them to stay in Egypt until Herod was dead. Well, when Herod figured out that the wise men evaded him, mm -hmm. he flew into a rage. And the Bible tells us about this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. And when he saw he was mocked or tricked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth. The word wroth means he was enraged. A better translation would be he was livid. He was just livid. And the Bible says he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in the coast thereof held from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So he knew because of his interview with the wise men that this baby was about two years old. And he ordered that all the babies in Bethlehem and in the surrounding area of Bethlehem be killed from two years old and under. Now, the question is, how many babies did Herod kill? And if you look at most paintings from the Dark Ages, it looks like there were thousands and thousands and thousands of babies that he killed. But there's a big problem with that because Bethlehem on normal days was a city of about, a village of about 300 on big holidays, when people came home, it might have been a city of 1,500. But on a daily basis, it was about 300 people. Well, when you have 300 people, out of the 300, you don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of babies. And here's another example how tradition sometimes gives us such silly pictures. For example, one record tried to say that Herod killed 14,000 boys. Impossible. Another record said Herod killed 64,000 boys. Well, that really makes a great painting, but doesn't match reality. There's a problem with these numbers. Bethlehem, at its largest estimate, was 300 to 1,500 people. Therefore, it was impossible for Herod to kill between 14,000 or 64,000 baby boys. And on the basis of the actual population of Bethlehem, scholars today say it was fewer than 20 babies. Some historians have brought the figure all the way down to 15. Others have brought it all the way down to 10 or 12. And some say it couldn't have been more than about six baby boys. You know, you can just mathematically figure out the statistics. It could have been very many two years old and under, and they had to be boys. But Herod killed them. Now, here's an example of where people say the Bible's not true. When Josephus recorded all the history of events that Herod did, Josephus never wrote a word about these babies being killed. Well, 
in the annals of everything that Herod did, this was not a very big event. Killing six babies, 10 babies, 12 babies, 15 babies, 20 babies. Killing of any child is horrific. It is atrocious. But if you put that side by side with all the horrible things that Herod did, this is not one of the things that Josephus would have written records about. It wouldn't have even made it on the charts because Herod did such horrific things. But he really did kill them. But miraculously, Jesus and his parents escaped. He escaped. They escaped. And they went over into Egypt. And when Herod finally figured out, those magi, they didn't stop in Bethlehem. They went all the way to Nazareth. Mary and Joseph and that baby, they slipped into Egypt. He sent his spies to find them. He was scheming, conniving, and manipulating, and determined that he would not stop until he got them. And the Bible says, according to the word of the Lord, they stayed there until Herod died. And when Herod died, they came home, probably, Joel, to that same house that we were talking about. And that's where they lived in Nazareth, which was next door to Sephorus, very nearby to Mary's parents. So Jesus would have had the ability to walk that four miles from Nazareth over to Sephorus to see his grandpa and his grandma. You know, Denise, were grandpas and grandmas, so I like to think about the fact that Jesus had grandparents. He had grandparents. Think of the role of his grandparents in his life. Okay, guys, what did you learn tonight? I think it was very interesting how many babies Herod might have killed. And I was... I think it's just terrible. He took out his rage against the wise men who outwitted him on children. And I think that's just terrible. It's just it's atrocious. Denise? Well, I was thinking how amazing Joseph is because it's not easy for, to move from place to place to place to place to place and, and to know that you're being hunted and to know that your child's life is, is, is threatened by the most powerful person in the world. I mean, Joseph, he had to have somewhere in his heart a revelation of God's protection and God's plan, somehow, all these angelic visitations that he had, God was, I know that God was strengthening him and helping him do all these difficult things to get this one thing accomplished, to protect this little child and his mother for two years about uh, from this insane, powerful king into safety, and I was just thinking about how the 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 distance that God will go with us mm. to get us to the place that we're supposed to be, mm. and that His power is there for us to make it to the finish line. And while Joseph was running from place to place to place to place to place, God's power was there the whole time. Mm. You know, there's an amazing thing when Jesus, at the end of his life, was standing in front of Herod Antipas. Mm. And Herod Antipas was going to ask him to perform a miracle. The Bible says that Herod was thrilled 
The Greek word means he was euphoric because for a long time he had wanted to see this Jesus. Well, Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great, which means the Jesus story impacted the whole Herod family. And Jesus had already always lived in Galilee, which was outside of Herod Antipas' jurisdiction. He always stayed just a little bit further than Herod Antipas could reach. But the Herod family had heard about the Magi. They knew about the money. They knew about him escaping their father's scourge. They knew about it all. And the Bible says Herod Antipas was euphoric when Jesus was finally standing in front of him because he had heard about him for so long. This Christmas story impacted the entire Herod family. This was the baby that their father was not able to kill. I think that's just remarkable. Have you guys enjoyed this? Yes, it's wonderful. Well, when we come back to home group tomorrow night, we're going to return to Philippians chapter 2. And I want to cover one more time what the Apostle Paul had to say about Christmas the real meaning of Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas. It's going to be very powerful. Do not miss tomorrow night, dear friends. I know this is Christmas week. You've got a lot to do. But hey, just take half an hour to focus on what it's all about. That's what this is all about. Our intention is to help you focus on what it's all about. And tomorrow night, you ought to bring the whole family together to watch this with you because it will be really life transforming. But remember that if you need prayer, we're here for you. Just write us at prayerrenner.org or call us 1-800-742-5593. The moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to really pray with you. And I speak Psalm 4-8 over you. It says, I will, Denise, I quote this almost every night, don't I? I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for the Lord will securely keep me. Lay down. Lay down in peace. Sleep. The Lord will take care of everything. Just go to sleep tonight. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. Just declare that tomorrow's going to be a great day. Lay down in peace and sleep, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Hey, friends, this is Rick Renner, and I have a big announcement, so pay attention. Starting in January, Home Group will only be Saturday nights. We've decided to really focus on Saturday nights. We want to bring you the very best, but we want you to join us. Every other night of the week, we're going to replay our regular daily TV program, except Sunday night. And Sunday night, we're going to have what's called teaching of the month. It's going to really be good. But home group will be Saturday night. So please write that down. And don't forget, home group is moving to once a week on Saturday nights. And we'll be waiting for you right here. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.